much better than the bottom. So much better. Can use a window shopper. Bold, bold, bold perceptions is rolling. We got another episode. We got a bold guest, B-O-L-D, J.M. Ryerson, CEO of Let's Go Win. Um, we just had a little call. J.M., you are in Florida. Masks off there. You're having fun. How is life? Life is good, man. Yeah, masks are definitely off. Anybody's seen Miami Beach going on right now? It is that crazy. We just went down there for lunch, and you would almost think it's normal, which I don't know what normal means anymore, but it's definitely masks off, and people are enjoying the sun, and, you know, it's uh, it, people are living life, bro. And that's what happens. I mean, it's been a year of this now. I'm sure people are a little anxious to, you know, do what you're doing. You actually just recently moved there, right? Yeah, about four months ago, uh, we left California. We were there for, well, I was there for about 20 years. My wife was originally from there. And, uh, you know, it was just time for, you know, California is a little crazy right now. Those of you listening from California, you know what I'm talking about. And it was just uh, my older boy plays pretty competitive tennis. Boca was a great spot for us. And yeah, man, it's just been awesome so far. I mean, yes, we have the summers coming up. It's going to be hot. There's definitely going to be bugs, but I'll tell you what, the people have been amazing. I'm loving Florida, bro. I don't know. I'm originally from Montana, so that's what I consider home. But this is, I can definitely see being down here for a long time. That's where the heart is. Home is where the heart is and where the masks aren't, of course. <laughs> but no, so let's uh, let's give everybody here, the audience, the gracious audience, uh, a little background of who you are, what you do, just kind of the story, and then let's dive in. Yeah, man, this is my fourth company that I've been fortunate enough to either be a you know partner or, or this one I am um, CEO. I'm not a title guy, so I, I try not to. I've been a part of. And, uh, you know, so I guess entrepreneur is what people say. And that's cool, man. I've always just I love being able to set my own hours. I love being able to to say I'm going to work or I'm not. And this particular company, Let's Go Win, it's all about inspiring people to live their best lives because we're not on this earth that long. So why not have a good time and, and give it everything we have while we're here. And that's the whole idea. So I, I wrote a book, it was called let's go win the keys to living your best life. And it literally was for my two boys. And the whole idea brother was, I wanted them to learn from my parents, my grandparents, the authors, mentors of mine, they're really very few of my ideas in the book. It's literally taken lots of the ideas and so allows them to not skin their knee nearly as much. And the gal I was working with said, hey, man, I didn't know you're a selfish person. I was like, what are you talking about? She goes, if you only share this book with two people, you're selfish. All right, lesson learned. Let's share it. And it's just been an awesome ride since, man. I've just, I'm coaching with a lot of, you know, athletes and executives primarily. But anybody that wants to live their best life, I'm like, let's go, man. Let's give it a shot. Let's give it everything we have no fear and, and say that we did it. And if nothing else, even if we completely fail, which by the way, I love failing. So let's just get that out of the way. If you get your ass kicked, great. I'm going to pat you on the back just as much as if you, you know, hit your goal because putting yourself out there is the whole idea. Let's go win is not about wins and losses. It's literally about showing up as your best self every single day. And I know that's can be a challenge. You and I talked about that a little bit in, in advance of this, but the whole idea is setting yourself up to show up as the best version of yourself. 
Love it. Love it. And I, I'm a little younger, but I feel like I'm starting to hear cliches and things that, you know, get repeated to me. And the big one I hear all the time that I'm starting to kind of understand is um, you win more in failures than actual wins or you learn more too. Um, and I assume that's in the book and you live and breathe and eat that. For sure, man. I mean, you know, I, I hear that a lot as well. Like, Hey, you learn more. I, I heard the best way of, of, of hearing this. The guy said, I said, what do you, what's your process of dealing with failure? And he goes, I don't believe in failure unless you didn't learn something. He's like, look, if you failed and you didn't learn something, that is a failure. And so I guess that's the whole idea is I think anybody that's done something kind of cool in this world, they've been able to put themselves out there completely vulnerable and said, here I am. And sometimes you win. And that's awesome because you get the accolades. But I'll tell you what the truth is. And you're going to feel this, George. You said you're younger. The journey is the fun part. And that's another cliche. But I'm telling you, some of my most memorable times in life, I didn't have a penny to my name. I didn't know where I was, you know, I, I didn't know what I was going to do. I didn't have anything. And it was so freeing. So it's really, if you can stay present in your moment and just get everything you have, whether you're, I'm 42, almost 43, I'm having just as much fun as I did when I was 18. And I expect when I'm 63 to be having the exact same amount of fun and I'm not going to look back. So I have a saying past is pain, future is anxiety, present is everything. And all that tells me is let's stay present now. Whatever we do in the future, that's cool, man, but I'll, I'll deal with that when I get there. And if I give everything to this moment, just like you and I right now, I want to give George and his audience everything I have, cell phone down, kids are, you know, in the other room, let's just give it all we got for this next hour or whatever it is. And then when I'm done, I'll go to the next thing and I'm going to get everything I have. So often I think people are stuck thinking about, oh, I have to do this or shoot, I just, whatever thing just happened. Forget about it. That was in that moment. In this moment, let's give it all we got. JM, I think Carrie Underwood could be in front of me right now, and I'd be more focused on this than her. That's I'm ready to focus in the present, this freaking episode. Let's go. I love it. And so <laughs> let's go win the book. Is that mirroring the company's values? Is that the service or the product? Is it the book or is there more than that? So the last three chapters are actually our values. So courage, fun, and transcend. Literally, those those are the values of the company. So to say, yes, that, that book embodies what I want us to do. But it's more than that. And, and I kind of, you know, like anything, you start with one thing and it evolves. It changes. If I ever say that's what it is, that's a mistake. Uh, just like every marketing company, they're like, who's your niche? Who's your niche? And they want me to say, athletes and executives. And I even have that marketing pitch down. But the truth is, if somebody comes to me, I'm working with a kid right now. His goal is lose 50 pounds. All right, let's do it, man. I want to help. I'm all in. And we did. And I'm not a weight loss coach. I'm not a dietitian. I'm not a, you know, trainer, but the basic habits I'm in. If you want to live your best life, if you are like, I'm not feeling it, come on, man, let's go. Let's give it everything we have. Cause there are some basic principles in life that if you follow, you can accomplish some pretty amazing things, but there's some things that can definitely get in the way. Fear being one of them, not being able to take courage. And, and, and so those are some of the things that we work on. So yes, the book absolutely has a lot of the principles, but it's growing and it's evolving. It's changing. I'm, I'm blogging weekly, which I never told you. I wrote a book 
that's cool. But I never expected to enjoy writing as much as I do. I look forward to getting the, the fingers on the keyboard. So yeah, man, it's, it's growing and it's been a lot of fun. So you said basic principles just now that, uh, that kind of resonated with me, uh, as to how you close that answer writing a lot of things I see say that writing is super good for you. Uh, super good to get the thoughts out, whether it's on paper or on the screen, typing or writing, whatever, um, you know, with a pen quill from the 1800s or the keyboard from the 21st century. Uh, it's timeless, as they say. Why, why do you think writing is such, you know, therapy? Why do you think it's so good for you to express your thoughts like that? Uh, brother, it's such a good question. I'm telling you guys, it is the best form of therapy available for very, I don't know how much paper costs, uh, you know, uh, pennies, right? A pen is a couple cents. For that, you have the best therapy that you can get. Because here's the thing, that paper has no judgment. You could say some crazy shit on there and it's like, whoa, no, the paper doesn't say that. It's just, it's literally, it's taking down your thoughts. And here's what happens. You start to organize your thoughts. So let me give you an example. I wrote about Let's Go Win when I was 20 or 21 years old in a journal. That journal got stuck in one of my you know memento boxes. And I didn't see it till after I'd launched a company, like several years after. And I, I went back. Literally the logo, let's go win. That had been marinating in my head for that long. Now, why do I tell you this? Had I just looked at my journal, I may have got this journey a little bit quicker. Maybe not, but I was able to document it. It was sitting in my subconscious waiting to just get pulled out. So I don't care what's going on in your world. Sit down, write about it, put it out there. It'll organize your thoughts. I, I, it'll get you focused. And ultimately, there's no judgment. That's probably the biggest thing is because you can say whatever you need to. And that thing is not going to say you're good, you're bad, you're right, you're wrong. It's literally just going to document it. Love it. Love it. And I know you mentioned the subconscious brain. I'm becoming more cognizant and aware of that consciously, no pun intended, unironically. But I think that's a big thing, too, just getting it out. Whether it's a you know positive affirmation statements saying I am blank, even if you don't believe it, subconscious starts to soak it in. And obviously, you wrote about this whole freaking program twenty years ago, and it came full circle, which is incredible. That's got to be wild. It is wild, man. And I'll tell you what you said: daily affirmations. I I have to mention this just because it's unique. My kids have said the exact same statement every single day of their life. One is fourteen now. One is eleven. The 14-year-old couldn't say it until he was about three and a half. He's a slow child like myself. My, my uh, youngest, he could say it at 10 months. And it's very simple. Are you a leader? Yes, no, whatever the answer is. And until they say yes, they have to keep, are you a leader? Yes, I am, dad. How come? I'm confident, strong, intelligent, athletic, good-looking, dynamic, popular, talented, independent boy with a growth mindset. Why would I make them say that over and over? Because the world is going to tell you at some point, you're not confident. You're not strong. You're not good looking, not popular, whatever. And in hindsight, George, I will tell you, I wish I had made it like you're confident, strong and dynamic or something really short, but that's not what it was. And so they they won't go to bed unless they say it to me. And, and so it's just become this thing where they get picked on at school, just like any other kid. But I go back to them. I'm like, Hey, are you confident? Yeah, dad. And so to your point, the world will knock you down. I promise you. It's like it, it is the guarantee. 
but you need to wire yourself to say, I am these things, regardless of imposter syndrome or any of the other things. If your parents, they may tell you, you aren't able to do these things all the time, by the way, because they're trying to protect you. This is where you get to say, I'm, I got this. I'm good. So I'm all about affirmations, dude. I love it. And I really wish I had started that even earlier in my life. Honestly, me too. I started uh, maybe the last year or so. Love them. Um, whether they're whether you can see it or not, it works. It just does. You don't need science to back it up. I mean, even if it's a placebo effect, whatever, I'll take it. I'll ride it. Um, and that's that's very cool that you have your kids saying these things. And uh, the theme of the pod, we kind of talked about it before. I want to get into kind of the naysayers and the haters telling you exactly what you just brought up. You're not this. You're not that. And you probably got, you know, parents on the side like, why the hell is JM like that? Why, why is he having these kids do that? That's cheesy. That's stupid. And that mirrors probably your career as an entrepreneur, too, because you're always going to have people that just don't get it looking at you thinking, you know, you're a cheese ball, this, that, um, at a certain point, obviously you're going to tune them out, which you obviously have. What do you, what do you have to say about that? I mean, it's society's just kind of morphing into that. You know, there's always going to be naysayers. I coach on this subject a lot. And here's why, who is running your agenda? And what I mean by that. So for instance, if you wake up in the morning, do you look at your phone? Do you immediately go to the news and immediately let someone else start running your agenda? I say that because even when it comes to your most your 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 parents or somebody that really is your guiding force so often people want to tell you what you can and cannot do how the hell do they know what you're capable of and this is why having a coach is so important and this is why having an accountability buddy is so important they see you in a different light so my best example to this if i go to a gym and i i get a trainer i guarantee in fact i've done this many times you go under the bench press, let's say it's 225. And let's just say by myself, I can do that five times. I don't know. And with a trainer, I guarantee I will do at least eight, if not 10, just because that human being is pushing me, knows that I'm capable of more. And so it can work in both ways. The naysayers, the people that you scare them, right? When you say these goals, they're like, well, that's scary. That's out of the ordinary. Why would you do that? That's not the safe thing that I want to do. Cool, man. I have no judgment on that, but this is my life. I am going to give, I'm going to go do it. You know why? Because I can, because I want to. And so my dad and I actually, he was my decision maker. And I, there's two very vivid moments of my life where he and I, he totally disagreed with my decision and both ended up being the best decision for me. And I, I, and at the time, I remember my dad who doesn't cuss and I'm telling him about uh, going into being an entrepreneur. And he says, hey, tell me about the salary. And I'm like, yeah, there is none, dad. OK, no problem. Tell me about the benefits. They must be incredible. And I'm like, actually, there are none. And he goes, what the fuck are you doing? And at that moment, I knew I scared him because he couldn't protect me. And that's my dad's path. He is an amazing man. And W2 was his world. That's what he knew. And he provided for his family. Guess what? Me being an entrepreneur, I've been able to do the same thing. But I, I believed in my heart to bet on myself to go do this. And it worked out. Could it have worked out the other way? Maybe. But at least I can say I gave it a shot. 
Well, and that goes back to another cliche. I'm currently looking at a stray cat in my yard. What the hell? Is that a sign? Should I be an entrepreneur? I don't know. But so that goes to another cliche. Um, God, that cat's distracting me. What I was about to say. Oh, yeah, that's right. So I've heard a lot when people are on their deathbed, they're always, you know, their biggest regret is why didn't I go for it? Why didn't I go for this? What would have happened? Would I be here? Would I be living 20 more years? Would I have died 20 years ago being a rock star on tour? I don't know. Um, I'm sure you have thought about this and that was probably your ultimate, uh, you know, code to go for it. Yeah. I don't believe in regrets. I just, I think it's a waste of time to regret anything. In fact, one of my blogs is that like, don't waste any time regretting, just go for it or leave it alone and be like, that wasn't my path. That's totally cool. Past is pain. That's it, baby. It's past is pain. So if that wasn't your path, cool, let it go. Or if you're still gnawing on it, go for it. I mean, think about the the rules that people are, are breaking. Tom Brady's a great example. We're watching this quarterback who's, I believe, 43, about to turn 44. Look, he's supposed to be chilling on the couch with his model wife and doing nothing. Instead, he's winning Super Bowls at a time when nobody thought he should still be playing the game. You know what? He said, no, I can I can still play. I want to play and I'm playing a very high level. That's just an example where people try to put you in a box. Look, the world is not the same as it was back then. So why do we listen to these at 60? I need to retire at this age. I need to do that. Forget that. Do exactly what you want to do. Give it your very best. And if you're at a point where you have to retire, where Tom Brady finally can't play, then he will, but it'll be on his own merit and he'll say i'm done not on someone else's and that's what i think we should look at people like that and say yeah man i could do that why not just because my parents said i can't or my friends said i can't maybe i need a new set of friends people that are sitting there not they either lift you up or they bring you down and this is a hard lesson to learn george it took me a long time and it's a painful exercise and you've heard this one the five people closest to you are a direct reflection of you I looked in the mirror about 10 years ago and I didn't like what I looked back at. So I made a very intentional decision to change that. That was hard because you're letting some amazing friendships go, but they're also not necessarily filling your bucket. You're just in it for loyalty or because that's been your buddy forever. That's cool, man. There's, I'm not going to say you're, you're, they're not bad humans. They're just not where I want to be today. So I want people to push me. So it's ideas like that where it's, you know, surround yourself with people that scare you. They make you want to be better. That's when you, when you feel those butterflies, that feels good. Being complacent, I don't know, man. That's just, I don't have time for that. You can't, you can't have time for it. And I realize, uh, I think you moved to Florida for Tom Brady, didn't you? Uh no, actually, he got here and he beat my uh, Packers in the Super Bowls. Bro. Dude, you're <laughs> killing me. I'm a Packers fan as well. I'm still oh, here. Brother, it was so rough. We could spend the entire episode on why that was the worst defensive play I've ever seen. Oh, God. Yeah, but we'll, we'll get off it because I literally, it, it's pain. Past is pain. I can't do it. I can't do it. <laughs> no, but that's that's good. The complacency is, uh, it's, it's the thief of joy. Comparison is the thief of joy. So is complacency. Um, and did you have to make some cuts with longtime friends? Did you get to the point where you were being, you know, bogged down by negative energy? For sure. All the time. And, and look, you're going to have family members that you're going to have to set 
proper boundaries. That is not easy to do because you may come from, I don't know, Catholic guilt or whatever you come from where it's like, well, this is the way it's always been. So what? It doesn't mean that I'm going to allow them to hold me back. That doesn't mean I don't love you. I love you so much that I'm going to make sure that I don't resent you 10 years from now. So I'm going to put you over here. That doesn't mean we cannot con converse, but you don't get an effect on my decision-making anymore. You're not going to hold me back. And that's a choice. One of the biggest, most profound lessons that I learned is everything we are is, is a choice. We can sit here and say, I'm this because, okay, that's, that, that was a thing that happened. Why don't you choose to do something else? You get that choice. No one gets the power to choose for you do. And so when you can own that, it's scary. I realize for some, because that's not how my parents did it. That's not how their parents did it. That's blah, blah, blah. Look, you get to make that decision and then you get to own it and live with it. Good, bad, or indifferent. But when you have ownership of it, that is an amazing, amazing feeling. It's got to be freeing. It's got to be absolutely freeing. And uh, another thing I want to get into, too. Obviously, we're sitting here. We're shooting the shit. You're a high energy guy. You're a great speaker. You're bringing it. You haven't stumbled once. I hope to God neither of us stumble once. Knock on wood. Um, how obviously the world sees you like this, you present yourself like this as a CEO or, you know, titleless as you like to keep it behind the scenes. Everybody is not always high energy, pure thoughts, motivated, everything. There's lows. There just are. Um, and I think maybe some entrepreneurs get knocked by people that are scared to bring themselves to them, to their level, to hold each other, hold themselves. I stumbled, damn it. Hold themselves to that standard. Um, how do you manage the lows? How, how many lows are there in reality? Talk to me about that. Cause I know this is real shit. Yeah, man. And this is a great one. This is actually, I talk a lot of, well, not a lot cause it's only 11 pages, but the champions daily playbook is the second one I came out with specific to manage some of these things. And I talk about triggers. So negative triggers, IE when you get in your lows. So for instance, let's say I'm driving down the freeway and somebody cuts me off. For whatever reason, I have a bit of road rage in me where I just, I want to be like, screw that guy. He cut me off and now I'm going to allow it to put me in a bad mood. That's a trigger. Now, I also know that I love music and there's certain songs that can rip me out of that negative feeling immediately. So what do I do? I replace the negative trigger with a positive trigger and I just, I offset it that way. So that's one example of how to do it. For instance, uh, let's say I wake up and I just, I'm not feeling it this morning. I don't have energy. I know that when I work out, I feel better. Every single day of the week when I work out, no matter how crappy I feel or how much I don't want to go to the gym, you're, you're in Minnesota. So you're like, it's 13 below out. I really don't want to go to my car, you know, get the, the snow off, have to scrape the windshield, go to the, that all sucks. But when I do get to the gym and I'm done, I am fired up. I fired up endorphins. Everything is starts going. So you have to recognize your triggers. What are your negative ones? Okay. Recognize those. And we talked about writing earlier. That's why I put out a, a playbook or a journal, if you will. So you can recognize that's a negative trigger. Oh, Here's a positive trigger. Uh, it could be music. Could, for me, it's meditation is another way to center myself. 
And so whatever negativity goes on, you should have a way to offset that as quickly as humanly possible because no one wants to be in a bad mood. I just don't believe that's the case. We can play the victim and, and choose to be in a bad mood and then let that affect our relationships around us and it goes on and on, or we could make the choice to offset it. So when you're in that, I think you called it that low point, when life sucks, the first thing I'm gonna tell you is get moving. That's putting science at play where again, we are having hormones start working for us. You can't help but start to feel better when you start moving. That's the first thing I would tell people to do. If you're feeling down, get moving. Then get some perspective, whether it's a podcast, reading a book, uh, taking a hike in the woods. I really don't care, but get some real perspective about woe is me. What does that look like? Is that just some first world problem? Which, by the way, I am not saying that it's not real. Those are real problems. They're not as severe as maybe some others, but you've lost perspective. So go find it again. So you get moving, you get perspective, and then you start getting some wins. Celebrate those wins. Pat yourself on the back. Take yourself out for whatever, you know, dessert, beverage, whatever it is that makes you feel alive. Celebrate it. If you do those three things, it's really hard to stay. Everybody mad when they paper don't stack right. But wanna come around, y'all better act right. When we got the tops down, you can hear the system. So I know it's a real thing, and my family has certainly uh been challenged with this, right? Mental illness is a real thing, but there are ways to offset these things if you're intentional about it. So I love what you just said absolutely love what you just said because you brought up you know the woe is me playing the victim card and that's something that the media pushes a lot on people saying okay this is completely fine it's okay to take a day off it's okay to do this and we on this podcast used to talk a lot about it but then i realized okay hold on we're supposed to be spreading positive energy raw uncut positivity right and i guess the first step is acknowledging that that's out there but the positive part the part that helps you is like you're saying, recognizing your triggers, moving, getting outside, writing, reading, meditating, whatever. And that is ultimately what's going to empower you. And I couldn't agree with you more about movement. Movement is medicine and you will feel better. It, it might sound like it sucks at the time. If you're hungover in bed, whatever, it's like the last thing you want to do, literally. But goddamn, I love it. I absolutely love getting to the gym when I'm feeling that way. Um, what else do you got for triggers? What are your personal triggers, positive triggers? You know, you know, the people, when you call them, they just make you feel like, all right, I want to run through a brick wall. My business partner, again, he is very intentional about making sure he feels good. But if I want to feel better, I call him because he is so high energy, always positive. You could be like, hey, dude, you just your cat died and uh, your car just got broken into and we just lost half a million dollars. And he'd be like, huh? Where are we going for breakfast this morning? It just doesn't bother him because ultimately we're healthy, we're alive. And he's like, we can go rebuild it. I can buy a new cat and my insurance will take care of my car. Like there's a solution to every single problem, even some of the most heinous things that have happened. And when you talk about the victim versus responsible thing, this is such a huge thing. And we don't have time to do it, but it's an exercise where if you draw a line in the middle of a paper, you put victim on one side and you put responsible on another. When you start listing out the attributes of being a victim, they're all pretty negative, weak, uh, helpless, 
uh, you know, negative feelings. But then we say, I'm responsible, I'm strong, I'm powerful, I'm in control. So choose to not be the victim. Maybe you were a victim of a crime, but are you going to let that dictate how you act for the next year, two years, the rest of your life? And there's so many great examples of this. Oprah Winfrey is a great one that people would know. She had an awful childhood. She has every right to sit there and be a victim and not do anything positive for this world. And everyone would say, you're justified. But she said, forget that. I'm not going to let this thing that happened to me, it's not going to uh, make the decision for the rest of my life. It happened. I'm going to own my life. And in fact, I'm going to help others overcome it. And so we have those decisions to make. And Nelson Mandela is another one. Oh my gosh. If you ever want to really get perspective, read up on Nelson Mandela. He's my favorite leader of all time. I think he's incredible. And he had an ability to really keep perspective and, and really not hold resentment or anger and it's so powerful. So I, I mean, I can tell you the stories, but I don't know how much time you want to spend on that very subject. Well, shit, let, let, let's hear a story. Uh, let me hear a little Nelson Mandela tale. This is going to go over time. The energy is too good to cut it off. All right. Well, Nelson Mandela was uh, falsely incarcerated for 27 years in South Africa. So he grows up in apartheid, which is heinous and awful to begin with. Now, he goes and he is imagine the worst things you can do to a human being. I mean, he's beat the shit out of him. He is defecated on. I mean, there's nothing good about this incarceration. And after he got out and he, on his inauguration night to be president of South Africa, he invites the prison guard that personally beat him up and defecated on him for 19 years and the prosecuting attorney. He invited them to his inauguration uh, night dinner. And a reporter said, how could you have these human beings here? He said, because if I didn't, I'd still be in that jail cell today. They don't get to ha have that power over me. They don't get to have that. So much so that he, he forgave. He didn't forget. How could you forget these things? But he's not going to allow these human beings to have any power over him. And it's stories like that with him that are just like, that's real. I mean, that's perspective. And I have a saying on my seven daily reminders, keep perspective. And it's about my, my brother-in-law, Dick Fong. He passed away at 47, I believe, of esophageal con cancer. Excuse me. He has three daughters. Do you think Dick doesn't want the petty problems that I'm dealing with, a flat tire or some bill? Of course he does. He's dead. He doesn't get that chance. I do. So no matter what my problem is, my perspective is my brother-in-law to say, I bet you he wishes he had that problem right now. And so it kind of flips the script when you think, all right, this sucks, but I'm alive. That's, that's the ultimate. So, Yeah, no, that's real. And I mean, when you do feel bad for yourself, it's okay. Like you can, you can feel that for a little bit. That's fine. But you got to put it in perspective. Like you're saying, there's bigger issues out there. You could literally be in a jail cell getting defecated on. That's a real thing that could be happening to you. Instead, you're here. You're at least you're not in a jail cell, right? And if you are in a jail cell, you're not getting defecated on. So there we go. If you're listening to this behind bars, whatever, you're good. Things could be worse. Um, and I want to rewind it back to your exercise you were talking about. Um, victim or what was the other thing? Victim or? Victim or responsible. Taking responsibility for everything essentially is the idea. That's right. Okay. So people, I feel like the majority of the population um, especially people 
you know, my age, maybe older. Yeah, actually older, younger. doesn't matter. doesn't matter. Why do people look at that and just kind of scoff at shit like that? Like the improvement stuff, the self-improvement genre in general. I feel like people are like, dude, that's cheesy. Like, that's not me. That's doing too much. Why do people react that way? Why is it so easy to be negative like that? God, this is such a good question. And I think the answer, because I've, I've explored this so much. I think the first answer is because some of the books, they, they, they take one bit out of it. So like the book, The Secret, people beat on this book relentlessly because they're like, you know, manifest destination and putting things out there. Well, you have to also go apply work along with having these positive thoughts. So it's not as simple as sitting in a teepee and, and like, good things are just going to happen. No, of course not. That's, that's like a very small part of it. So I think that's, that's part one, part two, the reason people don't like it, they want empathy. They want sympathy. That's why reality TV literally is billion dollar industry. It's all about playing the victim because you get sympathy, you get attention. Those would be some of the positive emotions being a victim. But if you look at all the other negative things that are associated with it, it's just not worth it. And so I think the other thing, when you do personal growth or self-development, you're facing your biggest fears. You're looking inside. You're saying, look, I'm really going to sit down and be introspective about where I'm at in this world. And I got to own that. That scares the living daylights out of me to say, I'm not winning. I'm not doing what I uh, said I was going to do. And by the way, if you can say that to yourself, that's literally step one. If you can say, I'm not doing my best. Great. Now choose to, and that doesn't mean you're going to win. That means you're probably not going to do your best again the next time, but at least you had the courage to get up and try. And I do say all the time in, and in the book, courage is like a muscle. It gets stronger the more you use it, but you have to try it one time. Be courageous just for one second. And then you're like, oh, that wasn't so bad. In fact, my wife has a funny saying. She's every time we talk about this, she's like, well, did you die? No, I didn't. All right. Well, let's do it again. And so, you know, you can kind of make it a game too. Is like get up and just be intentional to be courageous. Just one, one moment today. And if you can do that, then you can do it again and again and again. And then it just becomes habitual. And I've read the same thing with uh, like discipline, for example, when you, let's say you make a promise to yourself that uh, you're going to do 10 push-ups a morning, whatever, 100 push-ups, 1,000 push-ups. I don't know who you are. But if you wake up and you're like, God damn, I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. But then you do it and your disciplinary functions and, you know, that whole, that whole mechanism that strengthens and you compound on that. And then the next day is easier. Next time you don't want to do it, it's easier. It all adds up. It's like the 1% rule, all that good stuff. Um, is there, is there disciplinary, is there disciplinary habits that you have to, that, you know, consciously strengthen your mindset and your work ethic? Yeah. So the biggest one is literally, I, it's twofold. So I write down my goals. That's number one. Then I put them on the bathroom mirror. That's number two. So I guess it's three. The third one is I share and I give permission to my family to call me on it. And here's an example. So I had on my bathroom mirror to write a book for my boy, for my boys. And Trey at the time was eight years old. And he casually walked by the bathroom mirrors. I'm brushing my teeth. He goes, Hey dad, how's the book coming? And I had shamelessly looked at him and I'm like, well, not real good, but I have the intro and part of chapter one done. And he, Oh, okay. Went about his day. 
he crushed me that day and he inspired me all in the same because I vowed that moment the book would get done within the year and within six months it was done. The point of having accountability, buddy, and we talked about the, you know, uh, having a lifting partner or a trainer, they will call you on your shit and they will say, hey, you gave me permission to say you wanted to do this. How's it going? Because we will let ourselves down all day long. We can justify it. We can tell ourselves we can let ourselves down. No problem. But let your if you, maybe you don't have kids, George, as a parent, I can never let my kids down. It's the one vow I have as a parent, like I will die trying not to let them down way before I will let myself down a thousand times or my spouse, my significant other, my parents. I don't want to let those human beings down. So give those people permission, share and put it out in the world. This is what I want to do. And then let them hold you accountable. Let them support you. The beautiful thing about having accountability, buddy, A, they, they see you as better than you see yourself most of the time. B, they will absolutely push you. And then C, they will celebrate for you. I don't know if you're a big self-promoter. You, you're a pretty humble guy, so probably not. I, I struggle with self-promotion. But I'll tell you what, my wife, biggest cheerleader ever. Great job. You're doing amazing. And guess what? That makes me want to do it again. It's reinforcing positive behavior. So literally those three steps is what I would do and what I do do every single day is I write them down, put them up, up in the bathroom mirror and give permission to my family to call me on it. And it's so empowering. So that was an interesting comment you made. Thank you, by the way. I, I hope I'm humble. I don't want to come off as too much, but like you, uh, I don't love self-promotion, right? Um, but as an entrepreneur like yourself, those kind of go hand in hand. Like you kind of got to be promoting, got to be putting yourself out there. Would you say that's a fear of yours? And are you overcoming that? Are you taking steps to overcome that? Yeah, it's actually, it's just a really selfish thing that I have in, in, in my in my hard wire. I'm selfish that way. And, and people might go, what are you talking about? Here's an example. If you have a gift, so whatever that gift is, maybe you're a gifted singer, let's say. And let's say you don't want to make it about you. So now you're not going to sing. But everyone that ever heard you sing is just amazed that makes them feel better. They love hearing it. Don't be selfish. Share your gift with them. And that's the that's what I'm learning. So even I, I'll tell you, in my first part of the journey, the imposter syndrome, that is real. So I wouldn't talk about the book because I didn't really feel like an author. But what I realized is that's really selfish because there's a lot of good lessons in there that people could get value from. But how do they know who JM is or what this book is unless I tell them, oh, yeah, I did write something. I think you get something good from it. So that's something I have been working on for a long time. And my wife calls me and all, all the time. She's like, stop being selfish. So it's really made me have to look at it differently to say it's not self-promotion from an ego standpoint. It's self-promotion to really help other human beings. The reason I wrote the book, started the company, write blogs, do the podcast it's all in the hope that other people are inspired. So why wouldn't I promote those things? But it is a daily thing that I have to check myself on. And, and so I've accepted that, right? It's something I got to get better at. And the better at that I do, the more people I can help. The more people I help, typically the more money you make. The more money you make, the more you can give back to charity and create more opportunities for other people. So if you can rewire your brain, the simple idea of, hey, 
Self-promotion is not bad. In fact, you're selfish if you don't do it and then you go through the steps. Then it allows you to say, you know what? You should check out the book. You should check out the podcast. You know why? Because you'll get a ton of value out of it. So with that being said, uh, the selfish narrative that you're putting out there, this is interesting in my mind because on one hand, you have people telling you, you know, do what makes you happy, right? Do what makes you happy. It's your life. You're in control. Then on the other hand, uh, right now we're saying you're selfish. If you don't do this, you have a gift. What's the middle ground? What's the happy medium? Yeah, man. It's and again, this is hardwires. I don't know if you were raised in the Midwest, but I, I was raised in Montana. So it was all about not putting yourself like in, in the spotlight, not being like, look at me. And so that's where I picked up. I don't know what the middle ground is other than I think it's your intention. I think if your intention is to say, look at me, look at how great I am. And if you start saying, I, 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 I think you've lost. If you have intention where you're like, look what we can create, look at what this can do for you. And the intention is pure. I think that's where the middle ground is, is it comes down to your intention. Why am I talking about the, why would you have people come listen to your podcast? Because you're doing great things. So it's not about you. It's about this idea. So if the idea is to help people, the idea is to promote positivity. That's not about George being this amazing uh, host or this. It's just the idea of this, this show. We get to come on and just be awesome for 45 minutes or an hour. And for 45 minutes, you might change someone's life. So it's not about George. It's about the show. It's about the idea. I like it. I like it. There's no question I've had that you've been unprepared for. I can't stump you. Not that I'm trying to stump you. You're just, you're a well-oiled machine. That's one of my affirmations. Actually. I write, I am a well-oiled machine. I've been really private about that shit, but it makes me feel good. It makes me feel like a machine. Um, so we are coming up on a close. Unfortunately, this flew by. I'm already planning about part two. Um, is there any last practical mindset tips you have or just a final closing statement? I actually can't believe we're already done to be honest, but here we are. You know, it's going to go to the, one of my favorite quotes is everything you want is on the other side of fear. Um, just make the choice, go for it. If, if you're looking at that girl that you want to date, go talk to her. Don't sit back and not because who knows what you could create? Who knows? Maybe that girl's thinking, gosh, I really want to go out with that guy. And that's a weird example, but it's just don't let fear get in your way because there, I try not to say the word hate, George. I, I try to not use it, but I hate, I loathe self-limiting beliefs so much so that if I could eradicate one thing, it would be that. And it's a shame because so often our, our parents gave us some of these hard wires that weren't great. And that's okay, because guess what? I've given my kids some hard wires that weren't great. There's no question about it. But if I can teach them that they can do anything, that I've accomplished my goal. No matter what dad says, no matter if dad says, oh, you can't really do this, or maybe you shouldn't do that because I'm trying to protect him. No, screw you, dad. I can do whatever I believe I can do. So that's what I would leave with, brother, is you guys have so much ability ability. You can help the world be better. You can help your world be what you want it to be, but you got to believe it first and you just got to put yourself out there. So that's what I, I would leave with brother. I love that. I love that. And one book I've read that uh, is all about 
destroying self-limiting beliefs. It's called the gamma mindset. Um, and we had the author on, he's awesome. And, uh, I assume, you know, there's a lot of that stuff in your book. So, Hey, if you're listening and you want the book, let's go win. Let's go buy. How about that? Let's change it. When to buy, go get this thing and let's change the life that you have right now and your beliefs as well. Um, JM, this was a goddamn hoot. Uh, I said it once. I'll say it again. I can't believe time's up, uh, but we got shit to do. We're always on the move and I appreciate you coming on. Brother, I had a great time. Thank you and your audience so much. I, I really did enjoy it and keep doing the great work, man. It's awesome. And, and I can't wait to have you on as guests and, and, and maybe do this again. So appreciate you. Yes, sir. Thank you. And everybody out there, we appreciate you. You guys are the, you guys are the backbone of the podcast. You're the audience. So share with the friends, share with somebody that can resonate with this, somebody that could use it, somebody that would hate it even, just send it to them. I want to hear their feedback. It's okay. Fight. I might, we don't. Bold perceptions. Bold. Thank you, JM. Have a good day, everybody. But something gets stolen, stolen, yeah, stolen. No shopper, you mad at me? I think I know why. Man, use a window shopper in the jewelry store. Looking at shit you can't buy. Man, use a window shopper in the dealership. Trying to get a test drive. Man, use a window shopper.